from Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Atlanta native Nick Stone has not shied away from racism, belonging, and the weight of history in her novels for young adults. The New York Times bestselling author pulls those themes together in her debut novel for middle grade readers in Clean Getaway, which comes out tomorrow. 11-year-old William Scoob Lamar spends his spring break crossing the Deep South in a Winnebago with his eccentric grandmother. He's escaping punishment for fighting at school and soon realizes that Jima, as he, call her, as he calls her, is also on the lam from something he doesn't quite understand. Nick Stone is with us in the studio to talk about this epic road trip. Nick, great to have you back with us. Thank you. All right, so this is your first middle grade novel. After a string of really successful YA novels. What's what's behind the shift to a younger audience? Um, Really a request. Uh, My first novel, Dear Martin, is um, it's assigned in a lot of high schools, but there are a lot of middle and and elementary school teachers who read it and want something that addresses racism for kids in like fourth through eighth grade. Uh, So I wrote something a little less... um, Older, (laughs) (laughs) a little less intense. A little less intense. I mean, it's interesting because it's it's intense, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was happy to fulfill the request. Well, and it just kicks off very quickly, like a road trip. You know, you're on. There's a lot of action. We get eleven year old Scoob and his grandmother Ruby Jean or Jima, as he calls her. Early on, we learn that Scoob is African American and his grandmother is white. What is their relationship like? It is a typical grandmother-grandson relationship, I think. Um, My children actually have a white grandmother. My husband is biracial, and we took our children to Israel, which is where my mother-in-law lives. We took them to Israel for Christmas this, like, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so it was my younger son's first time meeting his grandmother. But, you know, she's Baba. You know, she's Russian, so she's Baba, short for Babushka. And they love her. And I think that that's what I was trying to bring across in Clean Getaway is that, like, even though this grandmother and grandson are different races, they are still a grandmother and grandson. Oh, and she's a pistol. She's like four foot 11 and just, you know, I imagine her always sort of running like an Energizer bunny. So what, what is he getting away from when he gets in this Winnebago? So Scoop has a tricky relationship with his father. Um, His father is very hard on him. Um, Not, it's it's a tough, it's a very tough love situation. Um, His father's father, so Jima's husband, spent his life in prison. And so Scoob's father has been trying to make sure that's a path that Scoob does not wind up on. So he's very, very hard on him to the point that when things happen, he rarely gives Scoob an opportunity to kind of speak for himself and explain why things have gone the way they've gone. So he's had these two situations at school, and um, his father has put him on lockdown after the second one. And so he is trying to get out of this situation at home where he feels misunderstood mm-hmm. and he feels like he's being kind of unfairly punished, in a sense. Yeah, and he gets some perspective, I think, from Jima as they're on their road trip. And they are actually, they're embarking on a trip across southern states, Mm -hmm. primarily, in the Deep South, using her tattered copy of the Green Book. First, a little refresher on the Green Book. You know, maybe a lot of people saw that film. 
Uh, but Scoob knew nothing about that book. Uh, did you as a child? Not as a child. I learned about it when I was writing this book. Um, I have a friend who I was telling her about the concept for the book, and she was like, oh, my gosh. I should send you my grandmother's green book. And that's when I learned about the green book. I was like 33, 32 or 33. And the green book, of course, is this little booklet that African-American travelers used through, like, I think the first one was in like the 40s. Trying to remember. I've, I've definitely looked into this yeah. before, but I can't. It's it's way old. It's like super <laughs> old. And then they published the last one, I think, in 1964. But like it's this guide that listed every place in a state that was safe for African-Americans because, you know, especially in the Deep South, you didn't want to get caught traveling at night, especially. In the, what they called um, sunset towns. In you sunset to towns, out. you needed to not be caught out did you take this trip yourself, by the way, going to these sites? I have taken this, the, tr- the drive. I've never stopped at all of the sites. Mm-hmm. Um, they stop in Birmingham at the 16th Street Church. Right. They stop in Meridian, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Yeah. Places where lynchings have taken place, mm-hmm. where um, the murder of Medgar Evers, for example. Yep. It is, it's intense in many, many ways. But, but as you said, you didn't know about the Green Book. And it's clear that although Scoob learns some things about civil rights history, he doesn't know. Yeah. And I would say even his father doesn't know about the Green Book because his mother's been very mum on this trip that she took with her husband. And I think that this is one of those funky things that happens with, like, passing history on. It's It's actually, I think we have this psychological imperative to kind of gloss things over. Um, so pushing back against that and making sure we tell the ugly parts is is really important. I think about Elie Wiesel, who won the Nobel Prize in 1986. And like during his speech, he said, it's the memory of evil that will serve as a shield against evil. And he constantly encouraged us to like, look at the ugly, horrible, dirty, painful things that have happened in history so that we don't repeat them. Um, which is kind of the point of this novel. You see a person who maybe hasn't shared as much as they could have about history and the effect that it has had on this younger person. I'm speaking with New York Times bestselling author and Atlanta native Nick Stone. She's talking with us about her debut middle grade novel. It's called Clean Getaway, and it's coming out tomorrow. Well, they certainly do encounter racism along the way. Even, you know, this is 2019, and um, as, we, as we know, it hasn't all gone away. Mm-hmm. But she is an older white woman traveling with this young black uh, African-American boy. So in your debut YA novel, this was Dear Martin, mm-hmm. also highlighted race, as you mentioned, as well as police brutality and became a New York Times bestseller. But it was banned by the Columbia County School District in Georgia. Why was it banned? Why did they say? I think I think the jury is still out on why it was banned. Um, every time the superintendent was asked, she changed her response. Um I think at the end of the day, there are some people who feel that discussing issues like police brutality, um, that they they feel that those things shouldn't be discussed in classrooms. Uh, I obviously would disagree and say that like a classroom is exactly the place that we should be discussing these tough topics because it's one place where you have people from different backgrounds in the same room. Um, And 
it's school, right? So like this is a place where you're learning and your mind is supposed to be growing. So it was, I, and I went down to Columbia County and it was a wild experience. Uh, but yeah, it, it's cool. It like bumped it up on the bestseller list, banning it. So <laughs> I'll take it. And you do work a lot with teens and young uh, or middle graders in your book tours, visiting schools, talking with students one-on-one about social justice issues. What did you hear from young readers regarding race and maybe even in response to Dear Martin? Most of the responses I get from young readers, they're all positive. Um, I get a lot of readers, the the African-American readers, thank me for giving them a story that represents them. The white readers will thank me for giving them a story that opened their eyes. Um, But I find that we don't give teenagers enough credit. Most of them do want to be talking about this stuff. They are paying attention. They are looking at the world around them and seeing things that they don't like very much, things that they are bothered by. And I think that's a really good thing. Um, The kids that I encounter on my visits, they actually give me a lot of hope for the future because they are intensely compassionate. They, like I said, they care about all of these things going on in the world. And they really do want the people, most of them want the people around them to feel safe and welcomed. Um, so I get a lot of positive feedback from the young people. So what about people who say, oh, these stories, you know, they make my kids uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to let my child know about, you know, the intense violence of racial history, for mm-hmm. example. To those people, I would say you're doing your kids a disservice because honestly, this is information that they're going to need to have to thrive in the world that we're not only living in now, but that we're stepping into. Um, and discomfort, yeah, we treat discomfort like it's such a terrible thing, but honestly, it's a really good thing. Nothing changes if people aren't uncomfortable. So I, I definitely encourage everyone to push a little bit deeper into the things that make you uncomfortable and let them, you know, maybe show you some things about your thinking that could shift um, or, you know, areas where you could grow a bit. I think there's a lot about family, the fear of family discomfort that makes people keep secrets. Mm -hmm. And we learned that there are some family secrets here. Grandma has a lot of them. Um, Her storyline is really interesting. As Scoob learns, it's getting unpacked on the trip. Where did you draw the inspiration for her storyline? Interestingly enough, there's a woman here in Atlanta, Doris Payne. Um, So I saw a tweet. This is back in like 2016, 2017. I see a tweet about an 80, I think she was like 80 or something. This like 80-year-old woman who'd been arrested for trying to steal jewelry from a department store. (laughs) I think I remember that And I remember being like, whose gangsta grandma is out here (laughs) stealing tennis bracelets? And learning about Doris Payne, and she is a black woman who is a, an internationally renowned jewel thief. Like, there's, she has a memoir out now. There's a film. I think there's a, bi- a biopic about her. Um, but she started stealing jewelry when she was very young to help her mother, to get money for her mother to get out of an abusive relationship. Mm. And there was something about seeing a person who has this past that her grandchildren probably don't know about that sparked a desire for me to tell a story about an elderly woman whose grandson thinks she hung the moon, Mm. but who actually has, you know, she's got some stuff in her background that he doesn't know about, but that he is going to learn about. Yeah, and that's one of the fascinating things here. There are so many layers of of understanding and secrets here. And he begins to sort of piece them together. But there is this general sense of, 
just the confusion that mm-hmm. I remember from that age, like trying to figure the world out. Yeah. And, and, you know, he leaves on a lark. He's trying to get out of his punishment on lockdown, as he puts it, and then realizes, like, I'm really far from home yeah. and my grandma is not who I thought she was. How, how do you get into that middle grade head, Nick, when you're writing something like this? I mean, I don't think I've ever actually aged past 12. I just, like, <laughs> have to pay bills now. Um, but I, I think that anybody can get into these situations. It's just a just a matter of empathy, right? Like if you the more specific a story is, the more emotional and so the more it's easier to connect with like the emotional core of a thing than it is with like a big grandiose idea, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so getting to this emotional core which is like you're a kid who is on the cusp of like starting and to move away kind of from your parents and what what the, the grown-ups around you want you to do, you're starting to move into, like, making decisions for yourself. And that's really scary. I remember being very scared during that time of development. Like, still wanting to please my mom and dad, but then also seeing some things where, like, I knew I was going to go in a different direction. And when you have a person that you look up to and you're going through this shift, and a part of that shift is seeing that the person that you look up to is different than you thought. Um, It's just like, even thinking about it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, it's actually not that hard to channel. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, And it's interesting, because I'm going through kind of a similar thing now, just as my parents begin to age, it's like, whoa, this is a shift. And so these shifts, they happen at different points in life. But I think there's like an emotional core that ties them all together. Nick Stone, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. And look out for she's got the Shuri, the Black Panther fans, impatiently waiting for Shuri's story. This is T'Challa's sister in the comics and films. That's going to be hitting the shelves from Nick Stone this summer. But right now, she's out with Clean Getaway, out tomorrow, in fact. She's going to also speak at the Thankful Baptist Church in Decatur during the release of the book. Details at our website, gpbnews.org. Stick around. There's more on Second Thought coming up.